Cast. You know, the BS meter these days is very high on all individuals. So if you're not honest and true to yourself and honest and true to your brand, you know, it's that old saying, you know, if you try to be something to everyone, you're nothing to anyone. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, today we have Glenn Gardone, the president of Chocolate Distribution, LLC. Glenn shares his secrets on connecting with customers. He offers insights on how to earn your customer's passion, tips for understanding your customer's buying motives, and the importance of always moving forward despite setbacks. If you're looking to build long-term relationships with your customers, this episode is a must listen. Hey, Glenn, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? Tyler, I'm doing fabulous. Thank you for asking. And and thank you for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to come out. Now, I do have to comment on your background, and I know we're going to get into your company. I love your background. I love the theme, the red chocolate. And I also just want to thank you. Uh, You had sent about, I don't know, I think it's been two months ago, and you've been part of why I put on 10 pounds in the last two months. And it's not because of your chocolate, it's because I have no self-control in other areas of my life once I indulge. Uh, But the red chocolate's awesome. So, and that's what you're doing now. I wanted to talk about a little bit what you are currently doing and what this whole red chocolate thing is. Can we start with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So red chocolate's actually been around about 20 years. We're in about uh, just under 30 countries at this point. I actually joined the organization about, oh, it's got to be almost uh, four years at this point. And my role was actually to bring them here to America. Now, I've been in the food business for over 30 years. Um, Ex-Kellogg, ex-Pepsi, you know, was with top, you know, top three, top five consumer packaged goods companies. And uh, I spent the last 15 years, for lack of a better phrase, in I guess what you would call private equity, smaller companies, startups, those kind of things, helping to build them, helping to realize certain goals, and then getting the opportunity to exit from them and watching them become even bigger and larger than I could ever do it. You know, it's just, you know, you only have so much patience to get to a certain point. And then at that point, you have to say to yourself, okay, there are smarter people that can do this much better than I. And there's always somebody smarter than me, Tyler. Always. Yeah. I, you know, I, I pride myself on not being the smartest guy at the table. Yeah, no, I can hear you on that. So what is the positioning on this red chocolate? Because, you know, when you sent me the box, Mm-hmm. I know it being less calories uh, was mm-hmm. a big punch. And I and when I first read that, I'm like, okay, this is going to probably taste a little funky. And it doesn't. It tastes like, I mean, I'm, I do have to put a disclaimer. I'm not an aficionado of, of chocolate. I mean, I just have chocolate occasionally. I enjoy it. But to me, it tasted like quality chocolate and it was very enjoyable. It is. It is. So red chocolate, actually, we're a European crafted chocolate. And yes, we're non-GMO, we're kosher, we're gluten-free, and we don't use cheap palm oils. And that's part of that, Uh, you know, indulgence in that ability for you to eat it and go, even though you don't know much about chocolate, you can say, yourself, oh, I can tell this is good chocolate. When it's somebody like myself, and I am an unapologetic chocoholic, I am. 
I eat chocolates from all over the world. I did before I started to run red and chocolate's been a part of my life and in good times and in bad, it is what it is. It's right. been part of my life. Being Italian, my whole world revolves somehow around food somewhere. So red actually is, we are a no sugar added chocolate. And so if you think about some of the American chocolates, they're 60% refined sugar. Sugar's bad for you, man. I, I'm not going to go into the details. Anybody could Google what they want, but sugar is bad for you in so many ways. And so what we've done is we have taken a product and we're owned by two families, both multi-generational master chocolatiers. So these are folks that have been doing it for twice as long as I've been alive. And so they spent three years crafting what became red chocolate. Do you know what red chocolate stands for? The term red? No, I don't. I was going to ask you that. So red actually comes from 17th century European literature. And when we huh. took European literature, when it was in its native tongue, and we put it into the English language, we didn't have a term that meant passion and love and lust and desire. You know, if you think about Valentine's Day, you know, Valentine's Day is all about red. That wasn't a hallmark thing. That came from 17th century European literature. So the idea is we're passionate about what we do. We want people to be passionate about us. You know, Tyler, the one thing about red is we're not a transactional company. We don't want you just to buy it and leave. You know, you've had some amazing guests on other podcasts, which I would tell people listening to this, make sure you go back and listen to other podcasts. There was a gentleman that was a professor and he was talking about the passion that comes between a brand and a consumer. And it's that connection. And really when we get that connection, because if you think about it, when you're invited into somebody's life, when a consumer takes red and says, yeah, you're going to become part of my life now, there's nothing more personal, nothing more exciting about it. And so that's why, you know, when we brought red to the States, we wanted to do it the right way. And so every time that we do something, there's a reason for being. We're not doing it just to sell that two millionth bar. That's not what we do. Yeah. So when I got the package you sent me, my first thought, well, one, your coloring of red is awesome because it it does give this indication of just, I guess, love for lack of better words. Mm -hmm. Like it just has a very uh, a nice feeling to it. But when I got the packaging, beautiful packaging, I'm like, wow, this is interesting. I wasn't expecting this. And then I opened it up. All the packaging, the bars is really intense, really beautiful colors. And then honestly, you backed it up with the flavor. The flavor was good. So when, as someone that has so much consumer product good experience, is that kind of the, the name of the game is, you know, first you got to woo them with the look and mm -hmm. then you got to back it up with the taste. Is it, well, like, what does that look like for you to get into the United States? What do you need to do to make this successful? Because I imagine you're under heavy competition. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple, of, a couple of billion dollar brands in our category for sure. Exactly. Uh, Multi-billion dollar companies. So I think the best way to explain is whether you're coming from another part of the world to the U.S. or even if you're coming, to, you're in the U.S., you, pre-pandemic, you would have between 8 and 15 seconds to change a person's mind. And what I mean by that is if they don't know who you are and they're walking, we call it a shopping experience, and that's what people always try to get retailers and build that quote-unquote shopping experience through 
great bakeries, great, uh, you know, product offerings, better value, you know, those kind of things. That's the quote unquote shopping experience. So when you, the consumer, are walking down the aisle and you see a product, that brand, like I said, has eight to 15 seconds for you to look at it, agree with its expectations, its principle, its quote unquote reason for being. And then from there, once you get in the car, now it's up to, and we've all bought things that we'd rather eat the package versus the product that we bought. And so, you know, that's a one and done. That's a transaction. And so, you know, there are too many products out there and those products actually hurt a lot of industries or a lot of categories. I should say not industries, but categories. And so, you know, you try to weed out those folks who are just doing it for the transaction. And that will leave you with the people that care, people like Red. People that will appreciate the fact that you put them in the car and they want to stay with you as you continue your journey. You know, our product we know is purchased 87% of the time by female. Now, it could be head of household, Hmm. it could be single, but it's female focused purchase. And there is a multiple reasons for that. But what's really interesting is 11% of everybody who buys us is over the age of 50. And the overwhelming majority are men. And so if you think about it, it's about that whole lifestyle. You know, I always say men are smarter than women. And it's a lie because truly women are smarter than men. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Women at a very early age know what I put in my body makes a difference. Men, we're idiots. All right. We just shovel whatever we can get our hands on. And the fact is, it takes us till we're in our 50s and we go to the doctor and the doctor says, "Okay, you're about to have a stroke. You've not taken care of yourself. You've not done what you're supposed to. Now, like you said earlier, we're chocolate. We are. They call us healthy chocolate. I hate that term because there's no such thing as a healthy chocolate. I call it smart indulgence. You're going to indulge. You're going to enjoy. Make Do it a little smarter. And so that's why when people go online and they punch in, and of course, who doesn't love chocolate? You know, in most households in the world. And so when you indulge, which people need to indulge, man, you know, this is life, brother. Like you and I were talking earlier, there's no reason to be totally serious about things all the time. You know, sometimes you got to have a little fun. And sometimes that fun represents in food. And so with chocolate, do it a little smarter. That's our reason for being. So I want to, you started saying pre-pandemic, eight to 15 seconds. Has that changed post-pandemic? Do you have any data? Is it even less? Or what's the, is there new data on that? Yes, we've done a lot of analysis on it. And it's actually, the amount of time has been condensed, but it's even worse when it comes to the amount of opportunistic times. And what I mean by that is, Very simple, one simple data point that I tell people all the time. Pre-pandemic, when you'd go to your local grocery store, you may have seen one or two parking spaces that would be some type of delivery method. When you go to a regular grocery store now, you're going to see a dozen. And it's going to be the pickup, you know, meaning curbside pickup. It's going to be delivery vehicles. You'll go in the stores. You can read about all the different retailers and how they're building these massive centers store within a store concept to be able to handle this. And what has happened is the consumer, their quote unquote shopping experience is actually being done online. And so therefore what we're doing, and a lot of people are doing it, we're trying to do it better than many, is we're getting our message out to the consumer 
So therefore, A, you need to know who your consumer is. B, you need to know how to get your message to them. And C, it has to be a truthful message. You can't be BSing people. You know, the BS meter these days is very high on all individuals. So if you're not honest and true to yourself and honest and true to your brand, you know, it's that old saying, you know, if you try to be something to everyone, you're nothing to anyone. Right, right. Have you, as you now start to come into the United States and start this whole positioning of the United States, anything unexpected happen along the way that's mm-hmm. been a learning lesson? <laughs> You're like, let me pull out the list. Exactly. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Number 86, <laughs> now serving 92. Uh, you know, it's funny. When we first started, we decided we were going to uh, build this partnership and uh, come into the U.S., the first thing you do is you take a look at the packaging. And of course, you know, there are European standards and there are American standards. And so one of the first things I saw was we don't mention that we're non-GMO. And so when I was talking to the team in Europe, this is before we had brought the entire team here to the U.S. When we were first starting out, I said, guys, we have to get the non-GMO certification on the package. And they went, why? I'm like, what do you mean, why? Look, everything's non-GMO. I'm like, yeah, in Europe, everything is non-GMO. In America, that's not it. They're like, really? You know, is everything from that to the most basic, well, we're a 100-gram bar. No, you're a three-and-a-half-ounce bar. We don't use grams. We don't use metric. You know, we're American. We do our own thing, and you're going to do it our way. And so everything from the basic packaging to ensuring that we were able, I've got a supply chain person here. She's been with me for over a decade one of the most brilliant women I've ever met and had the pleasure to work with and seeing the the hoops that she had to go through to be able to bring the products here so that they can flow freely throughout the U.S. was just a, a massive undertaking. And then again, it's that whole branding message. What you talk about in Poland, what you talk about in the U.K., it won't be the same as the U.S., Pieces of it may be, but what your discussion will be, you know, and again, it's that whole quote unquote value perception. And what the way I explain it to folks simply is when you think of value, I could line up five people and chances are I'm going to get three different answers for what their value is for red. One could be, oh, I love the price because I don't want to spend $5 on a chocolate bar. Another person can say, I don't care how much it costs. I like the fact it's no sugar added. You know, and so that value and when a consumer looks at red, there'll be different reasons that the value is set in their mind. All of them are correct because it's what it means to them. And so, you know, you just, again, have to ensure that when you are delivering that message, it's not muddled. It's real. It's authentic. You know, I don't have to worry about numbers, so to speak. I did that for the majority of my career. You know, what'd you do for me lately? What do we do this month? What do we do this quarter? What do we do this year? What do we do this month? What do we do this quarter? You know, so I was on that piece. What's amazing here, what we've gotten the opportunity to do is not worry about that. Don't get me wrong. You, You have to be profitable because you've got, you know, overheads and things like that, and you want to be healthy. But the fact is you don't have to do it to make that number. And that really takes a weight off your shoulder. But what I tell also individuals, especially entrepreneurs, when we get a chance to sit and chat, you know, if you focus too much on the future, you're not going to have one because you have to make sure today is successful. But if you only worry about today, 
you're going to fail because you're never going to plan for the future. So right now, I will tell you, if we talk about a scale, 70% today, 30% future. When you look at you know a major multi-billion dollar company, it's probably the exact opposite. They worry about today because they have to, but it's not as though, you know, I'll give you a story. I was at a year beginning meeting for one of the largest retailers in the world. And, uh, you know, question and answer period, and the CEO is on stage. And uh, somebody said, hey, can you tell us what you're going to do short-term and long-term on da-da-da? And he stood up and he laughed. He goes, well, let me tell you right now. I know most of you in the in the audience, when you say short-term, it's what are you going to do over the next 12 months? Long-term, what are you going to do over the next three years? Well, just so you know, short-term for us, what are we doing over the next seven years? Long-term, what are we going to do over 15 years? So if you want to know what I want to do short-term, you should have asked me five years ago. <laughs> and so, you know, and that's, but again, they've got the opportunity to do that and be able to build and continue to grow and continue to make their quarterly numbers and all, where a smaller entrepreneur, a startup, you have to worry about today. You have to make today healthy, but you also have to look at the future. Sure, sure. Who do you think your customer is or who are you trying to talk to? Like, I'm assuming it's not like some snob, chocolate snob. Mm -mm. Is it more someone that wants the flavor of chocolate, but really appreciates the calorie reduction or where does it fit? I'll break it down even smaller. As long as you have three bucks in a mouth. <laughs> and, and that's the easiest way for me to put it because everybody loves chocolate. So there are people yeah. that, again, you talk about the value side. There are people that will only eat European chocolate because they like it better. Okay, great. That's us. You know, when I look at the numbers, we are what's called there. You have your incremental and then you've got your cannibalization. So when you look at numbers and that's based on the category, I can sit here based on the data that I have showing that we are 78% incremental. That means every time somebody buys us, we're actually, we bring 78 cents new out of a dollar, 78 cents new to that category. So we grow the category. Well, if you think about new, that means that there's nothing like you in the category. Mm. We have 11 global patents and we're we're really aggressive with them because if we see somebody infringing on them, we don't allow it. And so, sure. you know, we, we can sit here and tell you. Now, that being said, chances are if I line up 10 people and I give them red chocolate, eight of them are going to love it. Two of them are going to go, nah. I'd rather have my American chocolate. I like it really, really sweet. Or I like my dark chocolate really, really bitter. Okay, fine. Again, they don't see the value in what we are, and it's not for them. So when you ask uh, who do we like to talk to, who do we go after, when you break it down to its most basic, it's three bucks in your pocket, and you got a mouth because you enjoy chocolate. When you start to peel back that onion, so to speak, it's a person that is looking for a smarter alternative because we are a no sugar added product. So we are not that sweet milk chocolate, you know, where you put a chocolate piece of chocolate in your mouth and it almost feels like you can feel the cavity forming on your tooth as you're eating it. We've all had that. Well, that's not us. That won't happen with us. You know, we are much more tooth friendly because we don't have that 60% raw sugar. And then on the other side, there's people that really love bitter chocolate. You know, we, if you go onto our website, which is at red-chocolate, 
chocolate.com red dash chocolate. I'll do a little plug. Sorry about that, man. I shouldn't have done that. No, no problem. But it's red dash chocolate. And the reason I bring it up is, so we have what's called the chef series. My marketing team got together and we brought chefs from throughout the world and they use red chocolate. And one of the first folks is chef George. He's a award-winning restaurateur. It was interesting because when he was doing his segment, he said, the reason I like to work with red is because it gives me a base. When I've tried other chocolates, there's so much sugar in it, it already changes the flavor and taste profile of what I'm trying to do. With red, I've got my base, and if I want to sweeten it, fine. Chances are I don't because I want to have other flavors, fruits and things like that, so I'd rather do that. And so whether you look at it from a baking perspective, again, that value as we spoke to, Chef George saw and said, you know what, this is where I want to be at that base level. When you talk about a consumer who just wants to crack open a piece of chocolate and enjoy, I don't want the sugar rush. I don't want to zoom up and zoom down. Like you said, I don't want the fat. I don't want the calories. I don't want, but what I do want is I want the indulgence. I don't want to eat something and rather have the box it came in. And so, you know, with us, with Red, we're always getting finding ways to have people try our product because we know 77% of the time, you're going to love us. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. But what I do want is I want the indulgence. I don't want to eat something and rather have the box it came in. And so, you know, with us, with Red, we're always getting finding ways to have people try our product because we know 77% of the time you're going to love us. It's interesting because when when I had it, you know, I was thinking what you were just saying is, you know, it's going to be a really sweet version. It's going to be bitter. I don't really like too sweet. I don't really like bitter. I'm kind of in the middle. So for me, it was like a nice compliment. It, I didn't feel like I was giving up any sugar. I didn't feel like I was really giving up anything, right. but it was kind of giving me uh, the indulgence of having chocolate, which I overindulge, uh, unfortunately. And then the other thing I was thinking, okay, is this going to give me some stomach issues because it's not using you know, it might be using some synthetics or whatever. Right. And I didn't have any. I was pleasantly surprised. I actually had, I think you gave me six bars. I think I had three or four of them by myself <laughs> over over a couple of weeks, fair disclosure. But they were great. Hey, I want to switch gears. I love talking about Red Knight. And the fact that I tasted and tried it, I have no problem you sharing the website. I think it's great. I think people should check it out. I think at minimum to try the chocolate, but also I think your marketing and your presentation is just top notch. I, and part of the reason I was so excited to have you on the show is, you know, retail to me, when you're selling retail goods, it's so immediate. I mean, you're talking to individuals and you're getting immediate reactions yeah. that I think that's really applicable to almost anyone selling anything. Like mm-hmm. you could take those same concepts. You may not get that immediate feedback, but you could take those exact same concepts and and apply that type of methodology to different things. It could even be services potentially. It could, yeah. it could go in a lot of ways. So I thought with your years of experience, you just share so much. You have so much knowledge to share that it's awesome. I, I want to switch to leadership philosophy. Mm-hmm. You've used a term I've heard punch through the mud. Mm-hmm. What does that mean in, in context of leadership? And, and if you could just kind of teach us a little bit. 
So punching through the mud as a leader, what that means is you're going to be stuck in the mud constantly, okay? And the mud yeah. surrounding you. Remember, I made a statement earlier that I don't like to be the smartest at the table. I wasn't being flippant. I truly don't want to be. And luckily here at Red, I'm po- it's pointed out often that I'm not the smartest at the table, which is good. But you know, I've got an amazing marketing person, amazing supply chain person, amazing, you know, just the people that run the different pieces, they do a great job. When they come to you and they say, hey, I got a problem, I need your input, that's that quote-unquote mud that surrounds you. And so what you have to do, and I tell people all the time, look, if you got to take a knee, take a knee. That's okay. Catch your breath, but you got to stand up and you got to punch through the mud because you've got to make those decisions. There are decisions that I make, luckily, when I first started, it was every single day, and they were tough decisions. Now it's become less and less and less because we're becoming, you know, more of a cohesive organization. We're becoming, uh, you know, more important to each and every consumer that we that we are with each day. And so it's not as often. But when those issues come up, I've seen it too many times where, you know, people will close their eyes or turn to the left, hoping that that situation will go away. And all it does is sit there and brew and brew and brew. So punching through the mud truly means, look, if there's a situation that's facing you, handle it then and there. Do not procrastinate. Do not. And you mentioned earlier about, you know, whether you're in retail with the immediacy, you're absolutely right. And, you know, whether you're you own a retail storefront or you're a consultant, there will always be that immediacy. And what I tell people is that's good. That's good because that will tell you if what you are doing is right. You know, I you see these, you know, videos on TikTok, oh, I'll help you to sell and blah, 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 blah. They're all, 80% of them are BS, <laughs> all right? right. You, you want to learn how to sell? Tell a person who you are. And before you say what you can do, ask them what their need is. Because you may find out that their need isn't what you can offer. And stop trying to do square peg round hole. Like I said earlier, 80% of the people love us. 20% we're not right for. I'm not going to chase that 20% down, but I'm going to make sure that 80% that I'm doing right by what they need. Now, I talk to consumers every single day. I had a woman. So we're the number one chocolate sold on the Home Shopping Network. We'll actually be on TV um, tonight, as a matter of fact. Uh, and we'll have our 12-minute segment. And we'll go through. And, you know, they're an incredible partner of ours. I absolutely love working with the Home Shopping Network. I couldn't ask for a better partner. And it's funny because we got a call into customer service. And it was a woman's name. And her name was D, older woman. And uh, she called in. She said, hey, you know, I want to talk to somebody about Red. I, I don't know about it. And so the uh, one of the customer service was, I happened to be walking out and she I met with her and she's like, hey, you know, this woman, D, she's talking about HSN and blah, blah. I'm like, you know what? I want to call. And I'm going to tell you, I call 25 to 45% of people that call in. If I've got the time, I want to talk to myself. So I called D and I said, D, I said, this is Glenn Gardon. No, it's not. I said, no, D, this is Glenn Gardon. This is the Glenn Gardon that's on the TV. You're calling me? I'm like, D, of course I'm calling you. What's up? How can I help you? And we sat and talked for 20 She had high blood pressure. And so she was worried about sugars because her doctor said, cut out the sugars, damn it. You don't need sugar. And she's a chocoholic. And she said, you know, I've tried stuff. And honestly, they're crap. The crap. She kept saying crap, crap. I'm like, D, I hear you loud and clear. I said, the fact is a lot of the chocolates when they're, they're really, really bitter and they taste nasty. And so we were talking back and forth. And, you know, in the end, she's like, you know what? 
I'm going to buy it. And when are you on TV again? I said, I'm actually going to be on TV tomorrow. I said, you don't have to wait. You can go online. She goes, online, that's for kids. <laughs> she wants to make her phone call. And so I laughed. And it's just, you know, when you get a chance to talk to people, and again, the connection made because I got a chance to understand why Dee wanted red in her life. Yeah, that's huge. That's great. Yeah, that's a great story. And pretty cool you pick up the phone and talk to her personally. That shows a lot about you. Hey, I want to have a couple of fun questions before we wrap up. I wanted to ask you about, I know you were in a commercial for the WWE, and I believe that's the World Wrestling mm -hmm. Enterprise or whatever that yep. stands for. How do you get in a commercial for the WWE? How does that work out? So it's funny, back in the day, so the WWE, which was the WWF, they're still based out of Stanford, Connecticut. That is actually my hometown. That's where I was born and raised. Mm. And uh, family, my brother, for instance, owned a, uh, a deli, pretty popular deli in the town for quite a few years. And a lot of the wrestlers used to come in. So we would see Hulk Hogan and Randy Macho Man, Sam, all these guys come in. They were the coolest people. They were so nice, you know, and, you know, Vince McMahon would come in and uh, we had uh, the gentleman's name was Mean Gene Oakland. He was the guy that would talk to all the wrestlers. And he was about five foot two bald and all the wrestlers are, you know, like six, three, six, five, massive, right? But again, sweethearts, man, just the nicest, nicest people. So there was a uh, quote unquote world premiere movie uh, that Hulk Hogan was in. And so they had a uh, one of the, uh, you know, premieres in our town, a little local podunk. But, you know, hey, man, Stanford, Connecticut, it was a big thing for us. And so right. they, I was invited because I knew a bunch of people. So I went and as I was walking out, mean Gene Oakland pulled me. I was in this is back in you know, a long time ago. And he pulled me aside. He said, hey, you're doing a commercial. Man. I'm like. All right, Mean Gene, whatever you need. And so we took me to the side. We went to the back and we started having our, our conversation about the movie we just saw and, you know, so on and so forth. And then, you know, talking to some of the wrestlers and all. And off I went. And so I'm actually uh, probably two weeks later, I'm sitting at the beach and there's this little kid and he's pointing at me and he's pointing at me. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm waving at him. Hey, how you doing? And I don't know. Is right? And so the kid walks up and goes, you're him. I said, yeah, I guess I am, bud. He's like, so is, did you have fun? I'm like, but I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about. And his mom came up and she said, hey, he was watching wrestling today and you were on the commercial. And I went, oh, okay, great, great. So, you know, again, didn't even know it was on. Fast forward about a decade later, uh, I'm at, uh, I'm back in town uh, meeting some friends for a wedding and I'm sitting there and, uh, Person comes up, a uh, gal that I had never met before, and we're talking, and she, you know, told her what I did for a living. I said, what do you do for a living? She goes, oh, I work for the WWE. And I went, you know, long time ago, I did a commercial, and I told her the whole story. I was like, I've never seen it, blah, 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 blah. And, oh, yeah, and we laughed at a joke, and off we went our separate ways. About two weeks later, I'm sitting down at, uh, you know, my, my brother's place, which he still had, and walks this gal. She didn't say a word to me, and she slid the tape across the table and said, there's your commercial. So now I get to show my boys that dad at one point was pretty cool. You know, I may not be cool now. Now I'm Willy Wonka. But at some point, I knew a bunch of WWE wrestlers. So I got the chance to hang out and do a commercial for them when I was a, a younger man. Okay, and the million-dollar question is, were you shirtless with those little tiny short shorts on in the commercial or were you dressed normally? I, I, that's, I'm trying to get a vision of this. this so um, commercial. I usually dress that way now at home. 
because it just seems like a lot more fun. You know, I pity the fool. I pity the fool. That's no, Mr. T. Okay. But uh, yeah. Okay. No. Well, I'm glad that you're telling me you didn't sell out completely. No. You, you stay. You kept the shirt on. Okay. That's shirt good. was on. Pants were on. <laughs> that's the last okay. thing you want to see. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Hey, one other fun one. I love knowing fun facts about people. And you were kind enough to share this. So you somehow got into some tequila contest where you were competing with, and you had to even tell me what this word meant. I should know this, an octogenarian, which you're, I'm probably not pronouncing it right. It's basically an 80-year-old individual. So you were in a tequila contest with an 80-year-old individual and you lost. How does that work? You either drank very little or, I don't know, this 80-year-old must really know how to suck, suck it down. So it actually, you got to go even a step farther back. So I was actually at the Herradura Plantation. This was down in uh, down in Tequila, Mexico. And uh, I got a chance to tour the facility and see how the tequilas were made. And so the pineapple or piña, they call it a pineapple. That's the, the heart of, uh, you know, where the agave plant. And what happens is they cut these down and these things are anywhere from you know, seven to 15 years old. And so they come on these big trucks, right? And it, it's like a spaghetti Western is the best way to explain it, right? But it was just an amazing group of people. And, you know, we had so much fun. And yeah, I was definitely catching a buzz. I'm not going to lie to you, a serious buzz. And I was definitely outclassed by everybody that was there, including the sommelier who looked like she had drinking so <laughs> much tequila before I showed up and she could still sit there and, you know, work on a car if she wanted, where if I had a third of what she wanted, I'd be rushed to the hospital. And so they bring the trucks in and there's a fellow, like I said, he's probably mid eighties, weathered, you know, been in the sun his entire life. And he's got a hoe and he grabs one of the pineapples and he puts it down and he chops four sides and he pops it in and he throws it in the oven. And he's doing it one after another, after another. And the fellows with says, Hey, Glenn, you want to try? I'm like, Oh, hell yeah. I want to try it. Right. Of course, you know, when in Rome kind of thing. Right. So the, the gentleman gives me his hoe. I grab it. I grab one out right out of the truck. I drop it down. I go to cut it. It goes in about two inches. Dong. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Dong. I'm like, what the hell? This guy is a third of my size and he's cracking them like they're peanuts. I can't even get it two inches into it. And I looked at him and I said, the hoe is broken. And he <laughs> grabbed that out of my head like he was so disgusted. Cut it in four, grabbed it and threw it back in and handed it back to me like, here you go, you knucklehead. Let's see if you can actually do it. So at that point, I went, no mas, I'm done. I know when I'm licked. And so then we sat down and had more tequila. They put me in a uh, taxi. And the next thing I remember, I was flying out of Mexico City. It was all a blur after that. That's hilarious. Well, at least you got out safely. I guess that's a good sign. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All good. All good. I love that story. That's a great story. Hey, I always like to end the show with a question uh, related to whether it be a business tip or a life tip that you've kind of experienced in your journey through life that you could share with us and hopefully make us better. Is there anything that comes off the top of your head? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting you asked that. So I've had the chance to have some amazing mentors in my life, and uh, they have definitely taught me certain things. The best thing I could I could offer up is, as an entrepreneur, whether you're starting out or whether you've been doing it for a while, it's okay to take a knee and know that when you take that knee, in spirit, there's folks like myself with our hands on your shoulder saying, it's okay, we've been there, and we know what you're going through. Catch your breath, but ultimately stand up and keep moving forward and punching through that mud. And that's the best thing I could tell you because, you know, things are going to happen. 
You're going to be unexpected. You know, we didn't even get a chance to talk about the pandemic. You know, we had launched four months before the pandemic and couldn't plan for it. There's no way to plan for a global shutdown. And so things are going to happen. No matter how well you plan out, nobody has a crystal ball that well. So when needed, take a knee. Take a knee, catch your breath, stand up and move forward. Know that you're doing it and what you're doing has not been a road traveled by many. And so enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey and know you're going to have to take a knee once in a while. Yeah, that's great. That's that's powerful. Yeah, we did. There are some things I glossed over because we just we covered some, you know, you had so many great stories. The red I love talking about. I definitely feel like there could be a part two here. Your website, and I'll put this in in the thinktyler.com show notes, red-chocolate.com, red-chocolate.com is your website. If people wanted to reach out to you or interact with you in any way, is there anywhere else you'd want them to go? Yes. So you can definitely catch me on the website. You go to the About Us page and my picture is there and you just click on the picture and it sends me an email direct. And I tell people all the time, feel free to, you know, write to me. If I can help you, I'm more than happy to. I've had people that have, you know, helped me in my career. And so I believe in paying it back. Or you can always find me on LinkedIn at Glenn Gardone. You know, there's only one Glenn Gardone, sadly, or happily, however you look at it, you know, and uh, but so it's not a common name. So it's pretty easy to find me and connect with me. And hey, if I can help, great. If I can't, maybe I know somebody who can help you. And I'm, I'm more than happy to help whatever I can do. Okay, Glenn. Hey, thanks so much. You bring a wealth of wisdom to the show and I appreciate you taking the time. Hope we can talk again in a future episode. I think there's a lot more you could share. I hope you have a great one. Thank you, brother. Thank you. And thank you for having me, Tyler. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.